All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Glad you're in. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Mr. Delgado sitting next to me. Mr. Delgado, how are you? I am well. How so, about you, David? Well, Rick tells me right before we go on the air that he's got a friend of his. His daughter's on The Voice. Yeah. And she's doing great. She's killing it. Bella DiNapoli. Yeah, out of, out of uh, I believe I believe it's West Islip on Long Island. I just listened to her blind audition. I mean, is it? she sounds just like Ariana Grande, whose team yeah, she ended that- up on. In that in that uh, song, yeah, but she's got a she's got a pretty distinct sound. She does some. I've I've heard some of her rock stuff that she's her original rock stuff that she's put out. Got a good voice. And you know her dad. Yeah, we grew up together. Very cool. Well, from Long Island, New York, and she's doing great. I look. She might. Was it down to the finals now? I think so. I think she's down to the finals. So congratulations to her. That's that's pretty cool. Um, Geo Fran here. They're not on The Voice, but maybe they could be. <laughs> Um, no, okay. Well, there's lots to talk about, but really there's only two things to talk about. This OSHA mandate. Now we know, we know on this show, we've been talking for a long time. Where, where is this thing? Well, now, now, now we clearly know they had to wait for Tuesday to come and go. I don't know that they could have done worse on Tuesday if they did put it out before, but clearly this is designed to come out after the election. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things where Pelosi wanted the passage of the bills that they're trying to get done before the election because she knows, she knows after the bloodbath, it eh, probably ain't going to happen. But, you know, that's one of the fascinating things about this. So I was thinking about this today. If I, I, I pulled the 450 page um, hot garbage mess of this OSHA regulation as a PDF, and I said to Geo earlier today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this, and I'm going to re- you know, redline it or highlight it, and then I'm gonna, we're going to figure out how to put it up. And I got about four pages through it, and I said, <laughs> you know what? If I do this, the, uh, we're going to have no audience left. Everyone on the show is going to want to kill themselves, and everyone in the audience is going to want it. Just ch- change the channel. I couldn't get through it. I mean, it's the biggest piece of hot steaming garbage Everything, it's dire this, and it's uh, grave this, grave danger, grave everybody's dying. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what, the survival rates on this, I think we're all, um, it's like they're talking about something that's foreign to me. It is so over-dramatized. Um, it, it, the, the, this is, you know, people talk about, you know, the hill you're going to die on. This is it. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road for every, for all red, all governors, specifically, obviously, red state governors, legis- state legislatures, businesses. I see already the Daily Wire files today. I have the governors that I could find um, responses today. But this is it. Because if they can get away with this, you think about what OSHA is, why it was started, what it's supposed to be doing, and you think about the absolute Gestapo-esque power that this gives them. If they can get away with this, they can get, they, I mean, they can get away with anything. Yeah, it's almost like the uh, Bureau of Land Management, you know, where, where they can declare any body of water 
um, you know, they can, they can pretty much sanction you for, for anything on your land, on land that you own. You might have a small pond. They might determine, well, you know what? That needs to be protected. You need to do certain things. It, it, it gives them, these unelected bureaucrats, power that they don't have, that does not exist. And the only time that power actually exists is when you give it to them. So if you comply with it, you're giving them that power. You're ceding that power. Yeah, it's, the, it's like dealing with, you know, and this one has to do with our bodies. And if we cede the power of our bodies to someone else, then they can take anything they want. And um, it's the administrative state just run, um, not even a muck. It's just, I don't even know what the word is for it. It's just, it, it's so tyrannical. It's it's unbelievable. And obviously now we know they waited to the after election. That's That's obviously clear. But it is still somewhat, I tweeted this morning as Pelosi's trying to stuff things back in the, I mean, they're not, it's like, two, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like Tuesday didn't happen. And, and if it did happen, which we know it did happen, they don't care. They just don't care. It's not slowing them down. It's not changing anything. This clearly comes after the election. Um, they're, they're trying to get more spending into the bill. They're overplaying their hand. Here, in my estimation, gravely again with this, um, they're go- this is going to be, I mean, it's just, it's like Tuesday doesn't ring in their heads at all. Like, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Because they don't see it as a negative. They just see it as, as you know what? It, it doesn't matter. We don't care about you. Even though we work for you, they work for us. We elected them. Their pay comes from our tax dollars. The government doesn't pay them. We pay them. And somehow they think, well, what do you, we're just pleased that we don't matter. That's why they don't care. They don't care. They don't care about outcomes. They don't care about truth. They don't care about facts. They don't care about actual health. It's just this massive grab for power because they see that, you know what? That guy that was just here for four years opened up a lot of eyeballs. And exposed a lot of our garbage. And now we're exposed and we got to try. It's almost like herding cats. They're trying to pull everything back in while everything's getting out. And to do so, they have to grab more and more power to control everybody. That's just the way it is. That's what you see. That's what happens with, with dictators and tyrants. That's, that's what happened in Venezuela. As things started to go south, he started, uh, what, I forget his name. He started to grab onto more. He started to grab, you know, uh, businesses and the oil industry. Just started to grab more to kind of control everything because he was actually losing control. And that's what's happening with these lunatics. So to me, this is where the rubber really now meets the road for every Republican governor. If they're, to, to not, if they're not using every single um, tool that they can to block these mandates, and I mean everything, uh, this is where this is where the rubber meets the road. They need to be primaried and replaced. I mean, every voter needs to. I mean, the pushback on this has to be like something we've never seen, because um, well, it's clearly coordinated. This whole OSHA thing, by the way, the Republicans, if they get if they do get back into power and they decide they actually want to try to be effective and do stuff, uh, this OSHA thing needs to be on needs to be target number one. The, yeah. the, the, this, these OSHA. Uh, they're living in this gray area of, you know, we're going to just do what we want. You guys can muddle through the mud and try to figure out if it's, I mean, they've got to take a look at this. Yeah. I mean, the OSHA rule is expected to be immediately challenged 
in court by the Republican states and, and business groups, it says here, according to Fox Business News. So, and separate from the OSHA, separate from OSHA, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is also issuing a rule to require healthcare workers and facilities participating in Medicare and Medicaid to be fully vaccinated as well. So they're, they're willing to go die on this hill as well. Well, I mean, not one of these mandates has ever gone through any kind of legislative body. But to me, I don't even know if that even matters at this point. I don't think Congress, I don't know that it even matters. It, these governors and these state legislatures is where the power lies, and they have to, they have to get going. And you'll notice the difference, by the way. I've got Governor DeSantis, I've got Governor Noam, Governor McMaster, and Governor Asa Hutchinson. You'll notice the difference between Governor DeSantis and Gov- Governor Hutchinson. As Governor um, DeSantis talks about immediately getting the legislat- uh, legislature into session, you don't hear the same talk from some, well, Governor Hutchinson's, he's fine. What he says today is okay, but it's, it, okay is not going to cut it with this. Okay is not going to cut it. Yeah, it's just but, lip service. But let's start with, and I don't know if I can get through the whole thing, but the Florida Attorney General I thought was excellent today, 25G. Let's start with her. Roll that. In the history of our nation, this is unprecedented, breathtaking, and authoritarian. And here we are again in less than a week, pushing back on this administration who has taken action which shows it recognizes no bounds to its power. They are using OSHA and an emergency ruled, rule given to OSHA to enact widespread health care policy on American workers. Just months ago, this is the same administration that said it was not the role of the federal government to enact such a sweeping policy. Traditionally, the health and welfare of its people has been reserved to the states, but not under this administration. But when this president grew angry and lost his patience and said that unvaccinated Americans were killing others, he decided to violate the restriction of his powers through our Constitution and impose his will because he was angry on American workers. As the Attorney General of Florida, who has vowed to not only protect the citizens of the state, its workers, but the interests and the sovereignty of the state of Florida, I will file suit. As soon as this rule is, pu- is published, we'll be in court. We've read what has been put forth in the public. You've seen what it takes to do a crafty workaround, and we won't stand for it. OSHA has never used its authority like this, and it's absurd. This rule requires employees to get vaccinated or be weekly tested and wear a face covering. I've already heard from employers that this will affect numerous employees, some up to 35%. They're desperate to hold on to a crucial workforce. Some have said this will cost their businesses millions. We are filing jointly with the states of Georgia and Alabama 
as well as other organizations, and we will push back against the use by OSHA using an emergency temporary standard as opposed to a regular rulemaking process to impose such sweeping health care policy. Governor DeSantis and I have worked hand in hand throughout this challenge, and we will continue to do so. This action is completely unprecedented by a federal government, and we must take this action to protect Florida, its businesses, our workers, from the heavy-handed, short-sighted, and unlawful edicts that are emanating from President Biden and his handlers. Again, he has absolutely no power to enact this emergency standard. It's not what Congress intended when they created OSHA, and it's not a lawful use of the Department of Labor. That's good, Jim. And the last part there is, you know, unfortunately, I think what's going to be so subjective is this gray area that OSHA is living in. Live from Studio 6B, 13 past the hour. We're going to spend a lot of time on this tonight. Plus, we'll get into the Durham probe. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Thursday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel Two Nineteen, Pluto TV Channel Two Forty. Make sure you follow us on all our social media: Facebook.com/slash/LFS6B, Twitter at LFS6B, as well, of course, Rumble Parlor, YouTube, Getter at LFS6B. Follow us on social media: like, follow, subscribe to the page so you get alerted when we drop some of this content from the show. Geo does a great job of cutting up segments as what even is that's crazy towns, all that we put on social media. We appreciate if you follow it. Uh, make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow, especially starting to think about the holidays coming up. You want to make sure you get your stuff in time. Our code LFS6B will get you up to 66% off. The holidays, I mean, everything there you know is fantastic. Uh, the pillows, uh, slippers. My wife wants these uh, slip-on <laughs> deals. I got I to order them myself. Um, and then obviously if you want your, um, let's go, uh, let's go Brandon shirts, 6bshirts.com. I mean, we can't make them fast enough. That's a nice stocking stuffer too. I, I, keep, <laughs> I keep getting email. I love the emails that we get. I try to go through them as many as I can that say, uh, Hey, I just ordered my let's go Brandon shirt. Can't wait to wear it at the Thanksgiving table <laughs> or can't wait to wear it to the next school board meeting or I, I, you know, all the locations that everybody tells me they're going to wear them. It's just fantastic. So, yeah. And, and when you do that, take pictures and send them to us <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we can see every place the let's go Brandon has been. Yeah. They said, I can't wait to see the reaction at the new school board. I wear it or to my Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. If I'm, the Thanksgiving table may not be the play. I mean, you want to have a nice day there. You don't want to <laughs> go in across, throw in turkey across the uh, the table, but maybe you do. I don't know. Speaking uh, of uh, audience engagement, I just thought you should know there's some speculation from the audience uh, as to why the other cast members are not here tonight. Oh, oh really? And, speculation. And, and what is that? And what yeah, is it has something to do with this. <laughs> oh, we have some very smart members of the... Um, 
Speaking of Gestapo power, that's what I hold over those two right now. Yeah, they're out working shifts at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> 6000 is not going to be easy to come by to pay off, and it could get Man. worse. It could get worse tomorrow's show. <laughs> Tomorrow night when we make our uh, odds maker picks for the weekend, we'll see if uh, if Slick Rick and Paul are going to team up again or if Slick Rick's going to finally dump him and say, I'll stick to myself. I'll stick to losing for myself. I don't think he's going to dump him. I think Paul's just going to you know, sneak his way out of this. <laughs> Maybe he'll try to triple up. You never know. He could be down 20000 by Monday morning easily. <laughs> easily. And then I'm gonna, then, he's crazy, gonna have, yeah. then I got to start thinking about how to collect. So then we're gonna have to have some serious conversations on this show. So it could be some kneecaps broken. Well, it could it could be could be some uh, Nancy Kerrigan deals going on. So right. Uh, all right, let's do some news and we'll get back to the mandates. I've got all the governor responses. I think watching Governor DeSantis is important because he brings up um, he brings up a lot of good points and he brings up some things that every person. You all should be thinking about it. I mean, I know you're thinking about a lot of you already. But um, Governor No, McMaster, Hutchinson, I've Senator Marshall, some, they have quick responses, and they're okay. Governor DeSantis, you know, I don't know. I don't want to sound, you know, I just, I don't know. If, you're, if your representative doesn't sound like him, I, I just think at this point, I mean, that's what you need to sound like. I, don't, I just don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I know we spent all day, most of the show basically yesterday, talking about the election results. But, you know, let's let's look at it for what it is. It's only a first step. Okay, the people you wanted, you got them in office. Don't let them, don't let them uh, sit back and relax now. Well, it's, it's, good. it's interesting you say that because I, I have a piece tonight from, uh, that I, hopefully I'll be able to get to uh, from Daniel Horowitz in, in the Blaze meet in Bla- at the Blaze. GOP wins big. Now what? Right. And which is exactly to that point. So yeah. we'll see if we can get to that. But let's do some news with Rick Delgado. What's going on? And speaking of which, the newly elected attorney general of Virginia said he plans to do just that as he looks into the alleged sexual assaults in Loudoun County Public Schools. Jason Mayaris, I think I'm pronouncing that right, held a press conference earlier today, two days after the election, which matters related to schools loomed large, revealing how he plans to lead in his new position. When a reporter asked if he plans to investigate the sexual assault in Loudoun County Public Schools, he delivered a one-word response, yes. Mayaris also said he and uh, Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin plan to look into changing Virginia law, which is another good step in the right direction to give the attorney general the authority to step in when local officials feel the Commonwealth's attorney is not doing an adequate job. And he specifically mentioned Loudoun County. If there's anything that I want to bring back to the forefront in this process, it's the victims, he said. I can tell you as a former prosecutor, those are the individuals you remember. The victims. The superintendent of Loudoun County Schools, Scott Ziegler, came under fire from parents as they accused him, of course, of covering up the two rapes that happened on school grounds. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, it's uh, it's one thing to win the race. And then what? What are you going to do for us? And you know what? As the voters hold their feet to the fire. I mean, you, pick up the phone the next day. Hey, I know you've only been office two days. Guess what? The pressure's not going to stop. We want you to do stuff. We want you to do stuff that you promised, and that's the way to do it. And I think I think uh, I think what happened Tuesday kind of gives you a glimpse as to where where that kind of voice, when you know when we when we react like that, using the power that we have as the people, where it can lead us to. So, well, and if you look at the numbers for the Republicans right now, and again I'll get to this piece. Um, Twenty 
20, 21 states where Republicans now hold the super, the trifecta, both houses of the state legislature and the governorship. That's great. I mean, if, if this, if this time that we're living in is not the encapsulation of now, if you have that, we've got to start playing ball like the left does. You look at what's going on in Florida right now. Governor DeSantis has all kinds of executive orders on no masks, trying to protect students, trying to protect. He's got blue counties that are outwardly just saying, no, 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 we're going to do our thing. And if you're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. You never, ever, ever see red counties where there are red counties with blue governors that do that. They, they just play by different yeah, rules. They fall in line. They, they just don't, we don't play the same. They just outwardly will not, they just do their thing and then they'll make him whatever and they'll fight to the bitter end to the death and they'll, they'll play every dirty trick in the book. But you never see Red County ever throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, look what just happened on Long Island. Yeah. You never saw any, you, there was no Red Counties in Long Island that, that uh, didn't enforce mass mandates or anything when they had this out of control governor tyrannical governor you didn't see any of that in new jersey Calab where did you see anything like that what's going on in florida right now where you have these blue counties that are just totally disregarding what what the governor has said it, we just don't play on the same level and, and if there's ever a time to say enough is enough this is the time so what else is going on in the news? Well, this is a story I wanted to get to the other day. Elon Musk has called out David Beasley. He's the executive director of the United Nations World Food Program on social media over reports that children in developing countries had been forced to have sex with U.N. officials in order to receive food. Musk said he will donate $6 billion to fight world hunger if the U.N. can explain exactly how the amount will solve the problem, adding a stipulation that the organization use open source accounting so the public sees precisely how the money is spent. Well, what was the, wait a minute, what was the first part of that story you said? Because I saw the tweet that said, um, the guy tweeted like one half of 1% of Elon right. Musk, whatever. Which would, is 6 would, billion. Yeah. What was the first part of what you said though? Um, <laughs> he called him out because... Um, members of the United Nations World Food Program forced children in developing countries to have sex with UN officials to receive food. Where's that? You heard that right. Uh, and Musk went on to... Uh, Why is that? I've never heard that until you just said it. Because they cover it up. The, the mainstream media will never talk about stuff like this. Um, Six billion will not f solve the world hunger, but it will prevent geopolitical instability, Beasley said after Musk responded on Twitter to the tweet you were talking about taking part of Musk's um, He said, I'll sell six billion in Tesla right. right now if you give me a plan that seems like it works. I'll, give, I'll do it right now. I don't think he ever heard from the guy, did he? Yeah, he heard back. His comment was, well, it won't solve the problem, but it could help save 42 million people from starving. The other part, we can we can dive into a little All right, we'll bit. get back to that. We'll get back to the news when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in.
30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Let's continue to do some news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Did you want me to continue with that UN story with Tesla? Because, uh, or I should say Elon Musk, because you said you hadn't heard the... Uh, Not the child sex part. No, I hadn't heard that. The child sex part. Okay. So what happened with this story is that, uh, you know, when, when the uh, UN guy, Beasley, put that tweet out on Twitter yeah. about Elon Musk and... and Six billion from Elon Musk saving, you know, solving world hunger. And, and then, of course, Musk responded. He responded with what happened here. And he responded with a link to a news story from 2015 about reports that children as young as nine. Oh, 2015. Okay, that's why. This is not something that was going on no, now. Right. Not something that was going okay, on now. Gotcha. But children as young as nine in the war torn Central African <clears throat> Republic were forced to give. Um, oral sex to U.N. officials in order to receive food. The investigation also revealed that the U.N.'s children's agency, UNICEF, failed to act on reports. Then-Secretary General of the U.N., Ban Ki-moon, well, he expressed extreme, uh, extreme regret, uh, but basically did nothing. Uh, the U.N., the UN, the UNICEF, UNICEF, and the World Food Program, which was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize in 2020, have been plagued by allegations of sexual and systemic abuse. Internally, an independent review of the workplace culture revealed over a year ago that more than two dozen people at the agencies had experienced rape and sexual assault while on the job. The study also conducted by consultants uh, found startling results concerning the experience of abusive behavior, more generally at the WFP, the World Food Program, and of course those asked... um, 28 of which experienced rape, attempted rape, or other sexual assaults. I mean, this stuff is just running rampant in, in the U.N. In, in their food program. But this is from 2015. This, this story is, yeah, the story that Musk linked. So he said what happened here to was, a 2015 story. 2015. That's the story. Did, he, did anyone ever respond to that to him? Um, <clears throat> did anyone respond to him? Yeah, he yeah. said what happened here. I'm, sure, I'm assuming he didn't get an answer. Yeah, he, he there wasn't really much of a response. Yeah, basically after he he put that out there. Right. Um. But like I said, he he said he would fund the initiative, adding it's got to be open source accounting so the public can see precisely yeah. how the money is spent. And once he also put that in, uh, he got crickets in return. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, that's what happens when you call most of these phonies out and say, yeah. okay. That's what happens. So. Yeah. All right. What and, else is going on? And, and just a quick follow up. Nothing had ever happened. Um, from that report, four French to- soldiers were questioned, but they were released without charges. It took almost a year for a UN staff member sure. to actually respond to any allegations. Yeah. And it was basically, this was well known throughout the UN. It was just passed from inbox to inbox. Well, these email. big, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like the WHO, these big, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty disgusting. They're a disaster. Over in, uh, over in the, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Check this out. Well, well speaking of a disaster, yeah. I mean, if you're the prosecution. Yeah. One of the two men fatally shot by Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin, during the, the summer of 2020, uh, seemed to lunge toward the defendant's rifle just before he fired. A witness testified earlier today. The witness, Richie McGinnis, a video director for The Daily Caller, testified at Rittenhouse murder trial that he saw the shooting victim, Joseph Rosenbaum, chase down Rittenhouse. 
in one of the few moments on the night of August 25th, not clearly captured on video. He said he was lunging and falling. I would use those as synonymous terms in this situation because basically, you know, he threw his momentum towards the weapon. He testified that Rittenhouse kind of dodged around with his weapon, then leveled the gun and fired. Rittenhouse, 18, is charged with fatally shooting Rosenbaum and Anthony Uber, 26, and wounding 27-year-old Gage uh, Grosskreutz, a protester who had a gun in his hand and was pointing it towards Rittenhouse. Huber is seen by a bystander on video uh, hitting Rittenhouse with a skateboard before being shot. So Rittenhouse was being assaulted. He was being chased by other these two other men. Both of them, I guess, were armed. And, uh, you know, basically, as he's claiming, it was self-defense. Rittenhouse, an aspiring police officer, of <clears throat> course, went to Kenosha at the age of 17 um, from Illinois to, you know, I mean, safeguard the, property the, the, there during is, the protests. There, there is um, – I turned on just a little bit, saw some of the, some of the clips and some of the th- – and I thought to myself, man, it's kind of early for the defense to be putting their witnesses on. Didn't this thing just start? Usually the prosecution <laughs> goes first. Well, no, these were prosecution witnesses. I mean, you, <laughs> I just yeah. Kenosha- I mean, this, this, this thing is. It, and by the way, besides the question of the FBI sitting on footage for over a year. Yep. I mean, this thing is so clearly over, and he should be acquitted uh, by like tomorrow, from what I can tell. I mean, the, the the star witness for the prosecution is is making the the defense should just say we rest. <laughs> I mean, I literally thought. They were defense witnesses. Yeah, and when you mentioned the uh, the other video that was uh, kind of held back by a year by the FBI, the defense has suggested that Rittenhouse was ambushed by Rosenbaum, who, according to testimony, came out from behind a car unarmed to meet Rittenhouse and chased him as Rittenhouse shouted, friendly, friendly, friendly. Moments after Rittenhouse fatally shot Rosenbaum, he shot and killed Anthony Uber, a protester who was seen, like I mentioned earlier, on video hitting Rittenhouse with the skateboard. So. Yeah, I mean, again, the little that I could make out, and, and and I don't know every detail of the case, but it did not seem like it was a um, not not the way it was portrayed when it first happened. It's it's almost so bad that you're thinking, well, what, what's really going on here? Why are we here? This there's what's the alternative motive for going through this? Because clearly they didn't think that they were going to make the case here beyond a reasonable doubt. So what what are we doing? Yeah, that's how bad it is. It's crazy. All right, what else? All right, and uh, oh, I already did the uh, the newly elected governor. That's about all I got for now, right now. <laughs> all right, so let me. So Harwood says GOP wins big. Now what? And this is really the point. And I keep saying it's just it, you know you step back for one second and you think about Tuesday night. You think about the day after. Uh, the media's response to it that it's all because everybody's a racist. Pelosi's trying to get stuff back in the bill. Biden pretty much laughs it off. Biden clear. Um, Biden clearly doesn't, I mean, Biden doesn't know what's going on in his, he's not, he's clearly not the one in charge at this point making, he doesn't even know what's going on as we'll get to with this whole Peter Ducey question of these payments to illegals. The whole, I mean, he doesn't even know what's going on in his own administration. He's got the secretary of DHS Mallorcas today and his press secretary in the, in the um, press room. She was the fill in for Saki today. Who's obviously out with COVID. I mean, Saying the exact opposite. You have, you have the person interviewing Mayorkas today going, well, it seems like President Biden really didn't know um, about this when he was asked about it. I mean, so it's just, 
So again, all of this put together, you know, this, this, this to me, the rubber is really meeting the road here for, for conservatives, for Republicans, uh, and, for, and really for the country. If you're not buying into the utopia that the, the, the Democrats are continually trying to sell us, I mean, this is it. This is, this is it. You know, David Zier, I got so much feedback on David Zier last night. And he was, I mean, he was, told me coming in. He's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here for the first hour, but man, I'm so beat from, from going till 2.30 in the morning, election coverage, he was in New York, all over the place. But he was fired up last night. And I'll tell yeah. you, it resonates with people. Because I got so many emails about David Zier's performance last night on this show. People really like him on this show. I don't know why. I think we, because we let him be a little looser maybe than he normally is and you can let it fly. Right. But he let it fly. He, he did that last night and um, it really resonated with the audience. And he's right. I mean, we're, we're, we're really at that fork in the road right now. And I think that's kind of the, the crux of this piece. He says, uh, you know, the political pendulum will continue swinging back and forth every four to six years, but the policies will unfortunately continue to march leftward if we do not continue doing, if we continue doing nothing to convert election victories into enduring policy outcomes. Anyone asking on how Tuesday night's stunning election results will affect the race for control of Congress in a year from now is pondering the wrong question. The more salient question is how the GOP gubernatorial and state legislative victories will bear on other GOP governors and legislatures in states where they already command strong majorities right now. We can't wait until January 2023 or January 2025 for relief from COVID fascism genocidal COVID treatment policies, denial of healthcare freedoms, open borders, irresponsible refugee resettlements, rampant crime, and a return to gender sanity and traditional American values in our society and in our schools. The lesson from this week is that if Republicans can win in Virginia and in New Jersey because of some of the aforementioned issues, that means they have no excuse not to immediately act upon all these issues without any difference, equivocation, or compromise in all of the states where they already enjoy long-term control. Although the issue of education, particularly school board decisions on transgenderism in Loudoun County and critical race theory across the state loomed large in Virginia, it wasn't any single issue that drove what was clearly a national wave. Republicans won races in places like Seattle, Long Island, New York, and a truck driver who spent less than $200 on his campaign defeated the most powerful man in the New Jersey legislature, while a little-known candidate came within inches of unseating Governor Phil Murphy. Republicans flipped a Biden plus 14 legislative seat in Texas. A number of Soros prosecutor candidates were defeated throughout the country, and five anti-police incumbents were swept out of office out of the Minneapolis City Council. This was a clear rebellion by the voters against all the chaos and tyranny created by the confluence of numerous odious policies foistered upon us by the elites. But the question is, what Republicans should do with the mandate clearly handed to them by the voters? 
The definition of insanity is repeating the same cycle of failed policies and strategies over and over again and expecting a different result. We were in this very position in November 2009 when Republicans won big against Obama's radicalism and what became a harbinger for the Tea Party wave a year later. Then we were told the House was not enough because they needed the Senate. Then they needed the White House. Then in 2016, they won the federal trifecta. Not only did they do nothing with the power, but COVID fascism, which essentially remade our Constitution and our way of life, began on their watch. Today's level of tyranny, spending, dependency, inflation, crime, illegal immigration, and social um, social policies makes 2009 look like the Reagan era. As such, anyone who thinks Republicans winning a narrow rhino majority in Washington next year is going to make a difference was either born yesterday or somehow doesn't feel the pain of the average American. Besides, we can't wait another day, much less until January 2023, to save our children from the imminent injection into their bodies, to save jobs and careers from being destroyed, and to save lives from a virus likely created by the very entities blocking life-saving treatments against it. We need action now. And I'll finish this when I get back. All right, 43 past the hour live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. Me and Rick are back. Three quick minutes right after this. the hour live from studio 6b on a thursday night man the first hour is just flying by and i get emails all the time about doing three hours and i know it sounds it sounds inviting when you when the show goes like this and when you've got stuff to really hammer down on but man i don't know three hours a night that might be a little too much but the audience wants it no doubt about that so speaking of the audience let's do some emails here from the audience um Jonathan says, please forgive my language, but what the F is SCOTUS doing? <laughs> 21 years ago, they thankfully jumped all over the hanging chads to save the Republic, but now crickets. Well, this is going to get to them eventually, most likely. And um, Chef Tommy, he's in the audience. Thanks. Uh, Mrs. VB says, our border's out of control every day. Hundreds of thousands of illegals, sick, dangerous, and otherwise invading the country. Thanks to this illegitimate geriatric case of a president well yes you're absolutely right about that um angie says how about some let's go brandon shirts for dogs (laughs) you know what that's not a bad idea okay you know it is it is uh the weather's starting to turn in a lot of parts of the country um you know and you want to keep your your pooch a little warmer that'd be a very nice uh very nice gift martha says i love david's ear on your show he's inspiring has a great smile. And he was inspired. I got a lot of emails about David last night. Laura says, yes, I love David Zier on LFS6B. I like, I really like when he's on every time. He shoots him in the hip, tells it like it is. Uh, let's see what else we have. 
Rick says, guys, not to be beating the drum, but your show's the best information discussion show on TV. David was wonderful last night. His passion can't be matched. God bless, and thank you all for speaking common sense. Rick and Pam, with a picture, by the way, of Rick in his bucket hat, live from Studio 6B, slash Crazy Town bucket hat, and I love that. So, uh, Monica says, Damon, I was shaking my head yes, yes, yes on every word David said last night. Yes, we love DeSantis, but I do agree we need him in Florida. I believe he and President Trump have discussed this, but David is right. Trump's the only one who's willing to really fight. Well, I th- obviously DeSantis is too, but I hear what you're saying. Plus, now he has a uh, vendetta. Uh, he should, if anyone can't see that, um, executed a coup. Well, that became even more clear if we didn't know that today with this uh, indictment from Durham, which is this, this House of Cards is closer to I don't know that the House of Cards is eventually going to lead to Hillary Clinton in an orange jumpsuit where she belongs, but uh, we'll see. And then Michael says, uh, when it comes to Slick Rick and Paul, Damon may need to hire some muscle. (laughs) And, uh, well, he's absolutely right about that. I'm waiting for you to come in on Monday with a parrot on your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right, back to important stuff here. Uh, Not that that's not important. We love the emails, lfs6b at yahoo.com. And, of course, follow us on all our social media as well. Really does help the show when you follow us on, like, let's say, Facebook. You know, we hit 80,000 on Facebook. I was hoping that was going to go to 100 pretty quick, but it's like we're stuck in, like, the mid-80s now. So if you – I'd really appreciate if you follow. I know some of you hate it. But we do post pretty cool stuff there, and uh, it does help the show out. So uh, back to um, Horowitz. Despite losing the 2020 elections, Republicans already dominate in many state governments over and beyond their historical baseline. And this is even before what will likely be a wave election a year from now. Republicans will now control 28 governorships, 31 states with both chambers, 23 trifectas, and 19 trifectas with supermajorities in both houses. COVID fascism in particular began with states' governments. It can and must end with those same state governments. We don't need control of the federal government to change these policies in the states, nor can we afford to wait, and nor will it help, by the way, anyways. Yet, even in most deep red states, we have Republican governors and legislative leaders who either support these dangerous vaccines and other aspects of the COVID religion or are somehow too scared to finally take a stand against a biomedical security establishment and the powerful special interest representing this leviathan. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has wavered over signing a compromise bill against vaccine mandates overwhelmingly passed out of the legislatures. And Tennessee is the only state that even passed such a bill out of all of the trifectas that the Republicans control. We can't get governors in states like Idaho and Alabama to combat the mandates. And even in Iowa, where Governor Kim Reynolds has generally been more level-headed on this issue, she continues to push the already debunked premise that the shots are safe and the best defense against the virus. Ironically, with some of the culture issues that Glenn Youngkin successfully leaned heavily into while campaigning in a blue state, too many Republicans in deep red states are downright on the other side. For example, we couldn't even get governors like Asa Hutchinson in much more socially conservative Arkansas to ban chemical castration of minors, while Youngkin ran hard against the Soros de-incarcination agenda 
and parole boards releasing criminals, many Southern governors continue to push that agenda and somehow use a perverted view of the Bible to justify it. Thus, we must finally realize this election cycle that we have won nothing with just one election. We have merely secured possession of the ball with zero points on our side of the scoreboard after the other side has already run up the score to a near insurmountable margin. Now is the time to make plays and big plays. On Tuesday night, Republicans demonstrated that with the right message, they can make inroads even into blue-leaning areas on the East Coast. But what is also clear is that the quote-unquote country-class voters are even more frantically anti-globalist and elitist than ever before. Yunkin blew out even Trump's historically strong showing in rural southwest Virginia, while picking up lost suburban voters in Loudoun County, the Richmond suburbs, and the Tidewater area. You know what looks a lot like southwest Virginia? Places like Idaho, Wyoming, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Tennessee. The question all voters fed up with the unprecedented tyranny from the federal government should be asking is this. If Youngkin can win in Virginia, why are deep red state governors and legislatures not immediately convening to counter every one of these policies coming from the Biden administration? As I speak with legislatures in supermajority GOP states, all I hear is a defeatist attitude of this is the best we can do with the leadership that we have. But why? If our message now resonates even in New Jersey, then most certainly we can push a no-holds-barred agenda against this administration and nullify every one of the unlawful policies without uh, any need to work with the Democrats. As always, these GOP candidate victory speeches are full of optimism and broad platitudes and apple pie, American dream and general tropes about freedom and liberty. But when it comes to the specific policy outcomes that actually matter, the Democrats continue to succeed, largely because Republicans agree with the foundational premise of most of those policies. While opposing a few of the most extreme, it's time for voters to demand immediate policy changes in states where Republicans control government, including but not limited to the following. And then he goes through a whole bunch of policies. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the essence of the article. It's a very extensive article, but you get what he's, you get what he's saying. Yeah. It's almost like the, uh, the Lucy, uh, Charlie Brown thing where, where the football is constantly being pulled out just before you're, you're about to kick for the, uh, for the score. That's exactly what's happening. It, you elect these people and just when you think they're going to do something for you, they pull the ball away and let you land on your ass. Yeah. He says it's like, he, he finishes by saying it's like Leon Lett. The Dallas Cowboys, 1983, famously celebrated before he got the oh, ball yeah. in the end zone, <laughs> only to have the ball stripped from him by the Buffalo Bills wide receiver, Dom Beebe. In that case, the Cowboys already had a massive lead, so the Leon Lett blunder was merely symbolic. But in our case, we are the ones losing big time. Yeah, We cannot afford to showboat before we get the ball in the end zone, damn it. The damn it's not there. I put that there. All right, hour two. Coming up, you'll hear from the governor of Florida. And uh, Crazy Town as well. Press briefing today, no sake, but it was still uh, woohoo bonkers. And the WTF video of the day. I don't know. You're going to think I made this thing up. I'm telling you right now.
are live from Studio 6B on a Thursday, hour two. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's here with me. GeoFriend holding it down as always. So we have a lot of video to get to in response to OSHA that I want you to see. I think some of it's important, especially the governor of Florida. Because um, I tried to read through this 455-page piece of garbage. <laughs> and I'll just tell you this. This is... Um, I mean, I think they're overplaying their hand, but by the way, they don't. And this is just the beginning. They're going to be looking at ways to go under 100 employees. They're going to be looking to take out the uh, ability to have a the testing as a backup if you don't want to get the vaccine. There's things in there like, um, I'll give you some quotes here that I just typed out as I was trying to go through it and redline it. And then I just said, oh my God, we'll have no audience left. Further, unvaccinated workers are much more likely to contract and transmit COVID-19 in the workplace than vaccinated workers. What, what, what well, science is that? Yeah, that, that's actually... What uh, science is that? Turning out not to be true, if you remember the story I read about Ireland, that county in Ireland. There's no science. They, they, they totally disregard science in here. They totally disregard studies. There's no consideration given. It's, it's, it's framed absolutely uh, against... Anything we've read on the show, anything that's been out there study-wise from Israel, from uh, places in the United States, all of these natural immunity studies, all of these uh, carrying a viral load, if you have the vaccine or if you don't have the vaccine, that you basically carry the same amount. None of that is even, it's not even regarded as worth putting down in this document. If vaccination is mandatory, because they're, they're asking for comments on a lot of these, 30 days, 60 days right. of comments to see how far they can push it. If vaccination is mandatory, have employees been resistant? And if so, what steps were required to enforce the policy? They want to know that. Um, there's all kinds of things in here. But let's, let's listen to the governor of Florida, 23G. Uh, here's part one. Roll that. Well, good afternoon. A year and a half ago, we started with 15 days to slow the spread, and, and now it's gone to get jabbed or lose your job. And today's OSHA rule, uh, very long time coming, we were, we were waiting for it, uh, that was issued. If you look at it, uh, here it is, it's almost 500 pages. And so we're supposed to be a government of laws, not a government of men. Uh, this is 500 pages of a government of a bureaucracy, a government that is being run by executive edict, not in accordance with the typical constitutional processes. And uh, the state of Florida is gonna respond and we will combat uh, the OSHA rule. As soon as it's published, uh, the state of Florida will be joining with Georgia and Alabama, as well as private plaintiffs uh, to file suit. Uh, this is a rule that is not consistent with the constitution and is not legally authorized through congressional statutes. Uh, there is no federal police power. Uh, the federal government can't just unilaterally impose medical policy under the guise of workplace regulation. And that is exactly what they're trying to do here. They don't provide any in instances why uh, the workplace is somehow different than anything else that's been done uh, with any of this. Uh, this is attempt to shoehorn policy uh, through the bureaucracy in a way that will um, uh, be difficult for some of these uh, individuals and private uh, parties uh, to resist. I think it's interesting that this is being done under the guise of emergency power. This was announced two months ago, and it said this is an emergency and that this is grave danger is facing. Then why did it take you two months? 
to issue uh, the rule. And then, of course, the rule doesn't take effect until January, which is convenient because it's not going to, it'll minimize workforce disruptions over the holiday season, which we know we're likely to see anyways. And then this would only exacerbate that. Uh, so this is not consistent with a government of limited and enumerated powers. Uh, there is no general police power. There's no power to mandate on the American people from the federal government. People will sometimes point out uh, about state mandates and how those have been imposed through the years and have the constitutionality has been upheld. States clearly have a general police power, whatever the wisdom of a particular mandate is. It's much different when the federal government is imposing that on tens of millions of Americans, particularly without any legislative sanction. At the end of the day, individuals should make informed choices about their own health care. They shouldn't be coerced into getting a jab. In this situation, you're going to have people that are going to have to make that decision. You know, do, you, do you get fired from your job or uh, do you do this if this may be something that, that you don't think uh, is something that you want to do? And, and just be clear with what OSHA is doing. They're clearly not doing science because they reject immunity through prior infection. They reject the Israel study and all the very strong studies that have come out that show people that have recovered from COVID have strong protection. Uh, they totally cast that aside and they make no accommodation or acknowledgement of that in any way, shape or form. Uh, but ultimately, people should be able to make these decisions. I don't think people want this decision yanked away from them. I don't think they want to allow a precedent where the federal government could come in and just force you uh, to do what it wants you to do. And make no mistake about it, those individuals who have uh, been gone through a normal vaccination series for COVID, uh, you will be determined to be unvaccinated very soon. They will do that. They are going to tell you you're unvaccinated and you have to get a booster. Otherwise, you could potentially uh, face loss of employment or other types of penalties. So that is going to happen. They're not putting that in the rule, but they're already asking for feedback on how to do this going forward. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it's going to get more restrictive. There's going to be more power brought to bear uh, going forward if we don't stand up now um, and, and fight back. I just think people are so sick of constantly being bossed around, restricted, mandated, all these different things. Uh, we've had enough of it, and we want people to be able to make their own decisions. And so, so it is important to stand up for people's individual ability uh, to make decisions uh, for themselves. Yeah, so there's part hmm. one. <clears throat> wow. What do you think? That was awesome. And without a teleprompter. <clears throat> Look at that. What a surprise. But he, he makes great points, and especially because, you know, we talked about this, too, on the show months ago, is that, you know, the government knows it can't do certain things. They know they, they're never going to be able to get any legislation, any laws like that passed. They know they can't do it. So what are they going to do? They're going to turn to, well, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, use their mafia-like power and turn it on to the, uh, the corporations and the corporations that are, you know, are getting their arms twisted and be like, hey, you know, we can make things very difficult for you and taxes and such. Oh, and regulations. So you better you better do what we want you to do. They're going to do it. And now it also goes to these these unelected bureaucrats in these uh, in these. I don't even what is what is OSHA? It's just it's just a rule committee. They make rules. They don't make laws. They make rules. Well, they go into like your workplace supposed to be and tell you like, uh, make sure you don't like cut your finger off your right. hand off for the saw that you've got wrong in your whatever. You okay. Know, one of those deals. 
So that's 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 the somehow that's turned into right. It's like these judges, you know, we elect one judge, he goes on some district court somewhere, and all of a sudden, he thinks, well, I'm a judge now. I got a black robe. I look pretty good in it. I'm just going to make immigration law for the whole country. Right. One of those things. Yeah. So I think he did a, a good job of you know explaining and also explaining what people forget. Limited government, the the federal government's uh, powers, they stop at the state lines, you know, when it comes to certain types of things. And he, and he mentioned that, you know, especially, you know, being, I guess being a, a highly intelligent Naval attorney, um, you know, he, he can decipher the crap that's coming out of Washington and explain it to people. So they understand like, look, this is, you know, <laughs> he's showing you 450 pages of garbage basically. Well, here's part two. And so he also has the ability, um, and I mean, no one's going mean, to, there's just nobody who's working trying to feed their family is going to be able to go through 445 pages of this nonsense. No. He hasn't, he, I think he admits in this clip, I've gone through some of it, but um, there are some, there are some hidden things in here. As he calls them, I believe in there, hidden nuggets um, that you need to be aware of because again, this is what's in this 450 pages is just a starting point. Yeah. Here's part two, 24 G, roll it. Oh. State of Florida will be filing uh, the lawsuit, which is very, very important. And I know there'll be other states that are doing it in other courts of appeals. Because it's an OSHA challenge, it goes directly to the 11th Circuit. And so we're going to be asking uh, for a stay of this rule, which we think is very, very important. And then, of course, we're going to be having a special legislative session uh, starting uh, a week from Monday. And we want to provide protections uh, for individual employees in the state of Florida. They should not be getting fired over this. We want to make sure that that's something that's abundantly clear. Uh, we're also going to look at ways to be able to uh, provide uh, protections for businesses who may be uh, subjected to potentially very harsh penalties. You know, they're going to fine people $14,000 for every single infraction. I don't know how they're going to enforce this. They're certainly not going to be able to enforce it in a way that is uh, even-handed. And uh, I think there's going to be huge problems with just administrability. But $14,000, you know, if you have a half dozen people, you're supposed to maintain, the employer is actually supposed to maintain these medical records now. So you thought you just went to the job and did your job, uh, clocked out and went home and went about your business. Now the meta, your employer is going to be in charge of making sure that they have your medical records on file uh, for this stuff. Is that really the direction that we want to go? Is that the type of economy that we want to have? You know, I don't think so. So we are going to be able to do, we need to do legislative response as well. And uh, I think that that's something that will be, um, uh, I think even more so when a lot of people that have been very concerned about this even before, even apart from this mandate, because there are large companies who are, who are trying to do this anyways. Uh, and people are very concerned about it. And this is something that hits very, very close to home for people. Uh, we called the legislative session. There was a lot of people that were happy about that. But I think now more people are understanding this is something that needed to be done. I mean, we've got to stand up. We've got to stand up for the constitutional order. We've got to stand up for the rights of individual Floridians and Americans. Uh, and we need to try to avoid uh, bad policy that's going to end up hindering uh, an already problematic national economy. And certainly in Florida, we've been able to buck some of those trends, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, storms on the horizon. So why would we want to exacerbate that? So for all those reasons, I think people are, are really excited to come back here and to be able to make sure that uh, the people of Florida have their voice heard on this. Um, this, 
I've gone through a lot of it. I've seen some stuff. There's um, there's some interesting nuggets in here. You know, we're going to go through some more and and make sure that that folks are understanding kind of what's here. Uh, but they are asking for input about how much further they can go in the future. So I just want to warn people: is is as far-reaching as this is. This is the only the beginning for what they're contemplating doing uh, going forward. And so there's a, a lot of massive amount of federal power being exercised here, not through legislative sanction. Certainly that doesn't flow directly from the enumerated powers in the Constitution. This is coming from a, a federal agency, which is uh, certainly not an agency that is um, uh, that has ever been tasked with doing things like respiratory viruses. And so this is uh, uh, really, really significant. And um, I think it's a huge mistake, but I'm confident that this is not something that's ultimately going to pass constitutional muster. So we'll stand up. We'll stand up for the Constitution. We'll stand up for people's rights. We'll stand up for people's jobs. And um, I, I think that you will see this put on hold uh, relatively quickly uh, as these cases uh, start to get filed. Yeah. And of course, that's the question. How much of a gray area are we living in here where the court's going to fall in this? And eventually, because you're going to need some, you're going to need, you know, and we have seen some precedent, especially when it comes to religious exemptions, that's where you're going to get real, real pushback and where the courts are most likely, you would think, going to be very favorable to those kind of arguments. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll do some more news. We'll do some more reaction from some of the uh, governors across the country. And if we have time, we'll get to Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci once again. All right, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice, jumping into some news real quick that I want to get to. Uh, this one, not sure if, uh, and I, I think we're all kind of familiar now with the uh, the new lieutenant governor of Virginia. Her name, Winsome Sears, the Republican, and uh, she went on a, on the Wednesday broadcast of Fox News Channel, The Story, and said that she is destroying all the narratives about race and wondered how anyone can say that she's a victim. Sears also challenged the host of MSNBC's uh, Joy Reid show, Joy Reid, to have a real discussion on the show. Sears said, I'm destroying all the narratives. Look at me. I'm a heartbeat away from the governorship in, in case anything happens to the new governor. And are you going to tell me that I'm a victim and I didn't do anything special to get here except stay in school and study? I took advantage of the opportunities that are available here in America. She said, I wasn't born here. This is not my culture, not my country, but it allowed me, America allowed me to come and do for myself and my family. And I remember when I was wanting to go to college, I had three children under five. My husband took a lower paying job so he could stay home because he had already had his degree. So no one can say to me, I don't know what it is to be poor. You're looking at the American dream. She says, we can do better. And it's, and it's not 1963 when my father came here in the midst of the civil rights movement, um, 17 days before Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. We're better than that. We're always going to have problems. I understand that. I'm not saying we're perfect, but you can see at, see those people at the border right now trying to get in. They're dying to get in because they know they can put foot on American soil. The trajectory of their lives will change forever, just as it did for my father. And again, that's from uh, Winsome Sears, the new lieutenant governor of 
Virginia. Just, you know, she's uh, you, you can't even say, and I heard somebody else say this today. I forget who it was. You can't call her former former Marine because once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. So she she's a Marine. Um, I'll go on a limb here and say that um, she will not get a response from Joy Reid about debating her. No, I, I don't think so. I don't, <laughs> it's not, no, it's not, even, it's not even close. <laughs> they, these people never want to debate. Yeah, she she also said, I wish Joy Reid would invite me on her show. Let's see if she's woman enough to do that. Um, she Good talks luck. about white supremacy. Does she even know I ran against a white supremacist? I mean, come on, Joy, get your facts straight and then come talk to me. So she won't a, come she won't come talk to you. No. You don't fit her narrative in any way, shape, or form. She will not come talk to you. So win some Sears, let's face it, she doesn't lose some, she wins some. And yeah, that's, that's what like, she did on Tuesday. Yeah. I saw uh, that somewhere. Win some, lose some. Yeah. Also, this one might might uh tickle your fancy, as they say, knowing that you're into the crypto scene there, Damon. Yeah. The newly elected mayor of New York City, <laughs> Eric I saw, Adams. I saw this. Said after, I guess, he was chased uh, <laughs> chased away from an appearance by a huge crowd chanting no vaccine mandates at him. Well, he had this to say about taking his first three paychecks in cryptocurrency, mainly Bitcoin. He tweeted in response to Miami Mayor Francis Suarez telling investor and entrepreneur uh, Anthony Pamplano that he would take his next, next paycheck in Bitcoin. Adams, a Democrat, went a step further saying he would do the same for his first three pay periods. Yeah. It's a, he said here in New York, we always go big, so I'm going to take my first three paychecks in Bitcoin when I become mayor. <laughs> this puts me in just a terrible position <laughs> because, I mean, it's just obviously I don't think there's much that me and the new mayor of New York City would agree on politically. But um, and you, do you know what's interesting about um, about people on the left, liberals, um, being attracted to Bitcoin is it stands for everything that they are politically against. Yeah, because they want to be individual able to track sovereignty, everything. individual. Right. Uh, it just it goes against everything they believe. It, it challenges the fiat system, challenges centralization, challenges everything about everything that they stand for. Yeah, and it's funny because Miami earlier this year became the first city in the U.S. to create its own cryptocurrency called Miami Coin. Yes. And they are accepting payments for certain things in Bitcoin. Adams also said that uh, he wants New York City to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry and other fast-growing innovative <laughs> industries. I mean, I love that, but obviously I don't think there's much I'm going to like with this mayor. But I mean, I, I, I got to be fair. I do like that. I mean, but it's just so it is interesting to me to see to see that because it's just so opposite of what they ideologically believe in the power of the centralized iron-fisted top-down government in and 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 crypto and bitcoin is all about decentralization. It's all about it's all about getting away from that. Well, putting the power back in the the, the individual's hands uh, having uh, you, you know, the, 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 to get away from everything that everybody's facing now, this inflation, this hedge against inflation, this to be able to, to be able to own assets um, without the centralized government being able to somehow, you know, just print more money and devalue the, the currency. It's just, well, it could be that he's very in favor of Bitcoin for himself, just not anybody else. You well, know? we don't know. I mean, we don't know that yet, but yeah, I mean, don't I guess know that, anything's but, possible. But but because it's always, you know, it's always rules for thee, not for me. We see that with Democrats all the time. 
you know, oh, you know what, like, yeah, we got to wear a mask. And as soon as the cameras, tur- uh, they think the cameras are off, boom, masks come off. Everything yeah. that they tell you how, that you have to do, they don't actually do themselves. So interesting. Uh, I thought it was an interesting twist Yeah, coming from the new mayor of uh, the incoming mayor of New York City. Maybe he'll come on the show and talk about it. I doubt it. Joe Rogan just got uh, paid in Bitcoin as well, 100K from Spotify as part of his deal. Tom Brady's getting paid in it as well this year, I believe in full. I believe he's taking his entire salary in Bitcoin, I believe. Well, does he need any more cash? I think he's got enough of that, right? <laughs> uh, I, would bet, I would bet a lot of these high net worth, um, I'll bet a lot of them are putting it into Bitcoin yeah. to, to hedge against what they see the Looney the Tunes in Washington, yeah. Yeah. All right. Also on uh, Rick's thing about uh, rules for thee, not for me with these uh, politicians investing and stuff, I, it's recently come to my attention that a lot of people pick their stock bets uh, based on Nancy Pelosi and what she buys. It's not a bad yeah. strategy because she's got, she's, you know, she's trading on inside information. So you, and all of them have their portfolios have to be made public, I believe, or they, or they have to, um, Every once in a while, they have to d- disclose what trades they've made. My guy, me, Kevin, um, just went through Elizabeth Warren's. And what's interesting is she's so hypocritical. She's up there on committee talking about um, the Federal Reserve chairman traded certain, uh, at certain times before he knew thir- certain things were happening. Well, guess, guess who else did in the beginning of October of 2020? Uh, would that be Focahontas? Yeah, that would be her. She did as well. So just come on. But that's but to Gio's point, not a bad strategy at all. When you see Pelosi picking up hundreds of thousands of shares of something, you can figure that she knows something. Right. Her yeah. husband's a big uh, big wig in the uh, whatever. One of these firms, I believe. So well, we know the deal. So uh, the Fed just passed a, they just passed a new um, regulation, right? That they can't insider trade anymore. The Federal Reserve just said that they... Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll follow that. Well. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen any of these guys, any of these men or women in, in the House or Senate actually go to jail for insider training, uh, unlike someone like... Uh, what's her name? Well, the guy from North Carolina, I think, is under investigation still. Uh, South Carolina... Uh, Georgia, what's her name? Um, the girl who ran for Senate in Georgia who lost. I think she uh, had some... Yeah, Loeffler had some deals with that back thing she's a part of, B-A-K-T-T, or backed. Um, quick before we hit commercial, G28, Governor McMaster in South Carolina, here he is today, roll that. I will issue an executive order barring any South Carolina cabinet agency from issuing or enforcing any vaccine mandate. You know, one of the things that would be interesting is how far the governors and the um, legislatures could go in these states against businesses enforcing this. Could they criminalize it? Questions like that I'd like to know. Yeah. from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. We'll get to some more responses from these governors, and if we have time, we'll get to Rand Paul with Fauci today. Crazy Town in the, in the WTF video of the day. We're going to do that next because you're not going to, you're going to need some time to recover after that.
30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Rick Delgado's here doing the news. Geo Fran holding it down. Fran says, good question in the chat. Hit me with it. Uh, this comes from Flying High OKC. If you take your income in Bitcoin, do you pay taxes on it, or do you wait until it's sold? Basically, are they trying to avoid paying taxes by taking it as essentially a tradable rather than actual cash? Well, um, I'm not an expert in this, so it's not financial advice. Don't take my word for it. But I believe if you take your salary in Bitcoin, there's a third party that gets in between your employer and you. A place like, let's say, Strike. It's run by Jack, I'm a baller, Maulers. And what Strike does is basically say, okay, we'll, we'll take the fiat in. We, we work with your employer. We take the fiat in, turn it into Bitcoin, send it to you. So for you, the end result is you still get the same W-2 from your employer that you would get for the amount they paid you. Now, once you have the Bitcoin, it goes up in price. If you're lucky enough for it, goes up in price. Same rules apply to, apply to, that apply to anybody who would buy it in the open market. You hold it more than a year, it's long-term capital gains when you sell. If you hold it under a year, it's short-term capital gains when you sell. So every transaction is taxable. And it's just a matter of when you take it in, your employer still gives you the same W-2 for the amount of Bitcoin that you got for that dollar amount. The in-between party, I believe, like Strike, let's say, they turn it into Bitcoin, send it to your wallet or, or some version of that. Um, and then it's up to you to obviously you report on your, whether it's long-term or short-term capital gains. Uh, that would be my... That would be my best assumption right. to that question, but that is a good question. But, so. but but it also brings up the point, well, why do I need a company in between? Well, if they're just going to, say, direct deposit me that cash and I just take it the next day and throw it into my Coinbase account and decide to buy something, why would I need to pay a middleman I mean, to you get may involved? Not, well, you may not need to. So, so, so well, not that I'm just bringing it up because maybe there's another step in there that we don't realize. That's why this company exists to get through, you know what i mean because whether it's so they're taking the cash say say okay you're clearing two grand a week all I, right i don't think they're taking people you know like I mean? that i think they're doing otc otc deals where it's two million three million you know it's bigger brady's probably getting five million dollars a check or whatever it is most nfl players are i think are using strike i don't think they're dealing with like twelve hundred dollars a week i think I don't think that's how it works, right. but I, I don't know. It's a good question. Right. I don't know. Um, all right, let's do, hey, G, let's do, because people are going to need some time to, to pick themselves up off the floor. Let's do the WTF video of the day. This is, um, this is I, I swear, I swear this is real. <laughs> Roll it. I'm crazy. Hello and welcome to Microsoft Ignite. We've got a big day ahead and lots in store for you. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial a people that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. 
And I'm Seth Juarez, <laughs> program manager in the AI Platform Group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. Today we kick off two days of learning more about the latest solutions, exploring how these key innovations can empower you to do great things and connecting with peers from around the world. Hello everyone, I'm Natalia Gadilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair oh and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked with this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello everyone, I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. We are so excited to be with... I'm crazy! What the... F <laughs> exactly right! Fudge! Exactly right. Holy moly. That's mommy. Microsoft's daily... Um, those are the four hosts of the Microsoft, so I don't know if it's daily, weekly. I don't know what their show is. Well, we got to cancel the one guy because he didn't talk about his mohawk. Yeah. So. You got to identify as a person with a mohawk. Exactly. Well, I guess it, that would be culturally inappropriate because he has a mohawk and he's not an actual mohawk Indian. I mean, is it me? I mean, I know it's easy to <laughs> sit there and do that, but that's that's just that's just disturbing, is it not? That's, is, it, is it is it that is just disturbing. That's crazy. These people are nuts. That there is, you see it. People, that is yeah. That's yeah. literally off the reservation. Those right? people that's, are just they're they're nuts. They're crazy. That and, and that's you know what's amazing is that they're all. You know, putting themselves in a box. So I'm a white person. I'm this person. I'm a this person. It's like, who cares? Maybe it's the descriptive service for people that are only listening and not watching it. So they know what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we found out that that was true, I don't know that I'd feel much better about it. I, no. I, just, I don't know. I'm I couldn't imagine me. doing the podcast for Apple iTunes or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify on this show and starting the show. I, yeah. I mean, I just, this is coming. Hey, Damon, how's your day? <laughs> well, this is Damon. He's a tall white a guy. With five. A... <laughs> if we did uh, that, we'd have to spend a half hour on. every day talking about Emirati. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> that would take a whole segment. <laughs> Wearing a sequenced and a spotted and a shiny and a... My, my undergarment of choice is the... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Good gravy. That is... Those people are insane. I told you. I told you you were gonna. You're gonna need some time after. I mean, that is. But that, those people are insane. And what's with the? We want to let you know that our studio is situated on land by the yeah, by the Gugamesh, the Mugamesh, the, <laughs> Gaga, the Gugu, bless you, the, the Lady Gaga. Oh my and, lord! Uh, I don't even know. Were, were those like people? Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I don't. I don't know. And how they all fit in one, I don't one know. little piece of land? I don't know. I don't, to log I don't. into Windows 11, you're going to have to describe your outfit. <laughs> she was actually giving out her no, password right say, there no to get on. <laughs> no wonder Windows sucks. These identifiers are getting real specific. Uh, yeah, if their programmers moly. are doing this, that's why the thing sucks. Oh, my God. All right, well, it's, a it's amazing I can say this, but let's go, we'll go now a little tamer. Let's go to crazy town. Here's the press briefing today. <laughs> I thought we just were. <laughs> that's beyond. That is... That's beyond. You gave the right response. What the? That's exactly what it is. Holy that's ex Lord. why it's called that. All right, Crazy Town G, roll it. Hi. Oh, I, know, I know it's been a slow news day these last couple days. So I know nice, you guys you know, nice have not try. missed the briefing at all. Uh, first of all, the president, uh, the president is, has been very clear. So I used to play a political pundit on TV. Uh, I'm not going to do that here. 
and so I'll, I'll leave all of uh, kind of the, the thinking and Jen the speculation uh, to all of you. Look, the, the Build Back Better Act is paid for uh, by having big, big corporations and the wealthiest taxpayer pay their fair share. I mean, we've been pretty clear. We put out a, our, our frame, our frame. The president put out his framework. Uh, so the way, so it's out there. Um, and the, the speaker has been working on this bill. Uh, there's language uh, on this bill. Uh, we put out, uh, as we, I just mentioned, um, a blog from the Treasury. Put out what the, what the, 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 how this would be paid for. The president congratulates. Governor-elect Youngkin on his win. Uh, obviously, the president campaigned for his friend uh, Terry McAuliffe. Yes, Republicans are lying. They're not being honest. They're not being truthful. 81 million people voted almost a year ago to put this president where he is right now <laughs> to make sure that we deliver for the American public. So these po these policies work. Booster boost vaccination rates, uh, as we have seen in short, and they protect workers and they save Americans' lives. So you know the question that we always have and that we ask to the, the Republicans is why are they getting in the way? Why are they getting in the way of trying to protect and save lives? So I'm not going to get into or respond to the gossip from here. That's not something that we're going to do. You know, every single member of this administration. Several presidential appointees. I wouldn't call it gossip. Okay. <laughs> That's your opinion? Well, you know, to your, no. to your question about um, which, which one about the economy, it was, I'm yeah. sorry. I, first of all, let's remember how we got here, how we got to a place where we're dealing with families being separated. This is coming from the last administration, cruel, inhuman, immoral, immoral uh, policies against 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 just people. And let me remind you and remind uh, remind us is that poll after poll shows showed us that the components of the bipartisan infrastructure deal and the Build Back Better framework are very popular. The economy, we're starting that up back up. It's gonna. We still have work to do, but we are starting that up back up because of the American Rescue Plan. That's why it's so important uh, to move forward with the better. Uh, Build Back Better Act. Uh, but you know, it, it, there are so many reasons to, um, it's complicated. It's a complex. Uh, it's, she it's doesn't a, know what to it's, say. It's not like one answer, She's right? Struggling um, right? Every now. election Where's is Jen different. Saki when you need her? Um, and, uh, you know, voters don't She's usually go into a voting booth on link. one issue. Um, and so that is, uh, that is something that we just kind of have to, have to remember. We wanted to avoid con confusion um, and try to, you know, give, <laughs> give some, give some, um, um, come kind of some thoughts there. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Chris. You gotta go. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Peter gets his own special for asking real questions. That's amazing. She 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 turned into Jen Psaki there. Oh, she's worse. Where she was just, and you could tell after the first, after the joke bombed, and she got through her little opening segment there. She started to be like, uh-oh, the easy part's over. Now i got to actually answer questions. Well, and who do you think trained her? <laughs> well, yeah. She's worse. I mean, she re legitimately is worse. I didn't think it's possible, but she's worse than Saki. Well, and she doesn't, have the, she doesn't have all the tools because she's not in right. there every day. So she doesn't have it like, you know, Saki can lie like, boom. I mean, right. just whoosh, right there. She doesn't have that skill yet. The propaganda she's got going pretty good, but, I mean, Saki's a pro. Right. <laughs> Pro liar, on the fly, make you believe it, no problem. Make herself believe it. Um, all right, so what was the other thing I wanted to do, G, that I said? I said Crazy Town. I said the uh, – oh, so speaking of Ducey, she gave Ducey a special uh, 
special there. So here was Ducey yesterday with the president. Roll that. This ought to be good. I, I, I think so, too. Uh, about the way forward, Mr. President, as you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 $450, per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, 30, whatever it is, G, 30. No, 36. 36 President Biden is calling these reports about the administration paying up to $450,000 to illegal immigrants who are separated from family members garbage. He says it's not going to happen. But the ACLU says that it is. So who is right? Listen. Wait, are you talking about the question you asked him yesterday? Yes. So, um... If it saves taxpayer dollars and puts uh, the disastrous history of the previous administration's use of zero tolerance and family separation behind us, the president the is words. perfectly comfortable oh. with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation. Perfectly comfortable there with payouts. Exactly the opposite of what he just said. Yep. All right, we'll get back to this. We'll try to hit a couple of the things. Man, a quick two hours. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. So let's get back to, man, the show's going by so fast. I just can't cram it all in here. Yeah, even the commercials flew by. Oh, they are. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy fast. Um, so um, let's start with 35G quickly before we get to Senator Cassidy today with the CDC director. Because uh, you heard the president gets questioned by Ducey about it. He acts as if Ducey's like, like, where is this coming from, Peter? This is a garbage report. 450,000? Yeah, oh, yeah, and he says, if you keep putting it out there. Yeah, 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 exactly. So then she's asked about it today, and she says, oh, this is about what you asked me to say. And then all of a sudden, the language becomes, oh, the president is perfectly comfortable with DHS settling cases. Well, that's all nice language for, yeah, he's making payments to illegals who came over the border. Exactly what he said was a garbage take. Yeah, a half a million dollars each. If you need any further confirmation that biden has no clue what is going on within his own so-called administration cut 35 the dhs secretary mayorkas is being interviewed today and this is what happens in the middle of the interview roll that and a fox news reporter um asked him about reports of possible payments compensatory payments up to $450,000 has been the report for separated parents. I, I got the impression the president had not heard about these reports before, um, but he um, said that's not going to happen, even though, of course, he's the one who had said during the campaign 
that the separation of these families was shameful and intolerable and not who we are. So how should the government navigate this? I understand that compensation is not DHS's role, but so, still. So there are two, there are two different um, uh, efforts. Uh, and the president has um, adhered with orthodoxy to the words of the past in this terms of it's shameful and it's not way. who we are. Um, the, the, the figures of compensation that is being handled by the Department of Justice is in the context of the Federal Tort Claims Act cases as distinct from the Family uh, Reunification Task Force that we in the Department of Homeland Security operate and bringing those families together. So again, nice way of saying your tax dollars are going to go towards payments. That was gobbledygook. He didn't answer the question. Plain and simple. You know, I, I didn't know that, uh, you know, people who aren't citizens of this country, I guess they can just sue. And the taxpayers, you and I, we have to give them money. Is that, is, is that what I'm understanding? Again, it's like Tuesday night didn't happen. And if it did happen, they just absolutely don't care. They don't care. They don't care. It's it's almost um, head shaking. Uh, all right, gee, which one is better of Cassidy? Twenty two, Senator Cassidy, with the CDC director today on this hearing that Fauci was there. We're not going to have time to get to Fauci and Rand Paul. We'll do it tomorrow's show. But here's uh, Senator Cassidy with Walensky. Roll that. I have limited time. Let me just ask you something else. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. I'm told that 75, to, um, some north of 75% of CDC employees at headquarters are still working remotely. Is that correct? Um, we are following uh, regulations through HHS and the federal government. No, that's not my question. I apologize <laughs> to be rude, but, but, no, but you're I'm not asking rude. a very straightforward question. I've been told that north of 75% of employees at, at, at CDC headquarters are working remotely. Is that correct? Senator, I don't actually know the number off the top of okay, my head. Okay, when you look so down the to... hallway, are there empty desks? Are over 50% of the desks empty? Senator, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. What I will tell you is that we're working closely within HHS and the administration to follow the governmental rules for return to There was a recent GAO report that shows, and released in the last two weeks, that there's been no coordinated response from the federal government to get people back into work. Now, if there's any agency that, since we have teachers in Fulton County are back at work, that the caseload of COVID in Fulton County is about 88. At its peak, it was 606. Uh, if what I've been told by someone who frankly kind of knows that people in laboratories are not showing up. I have no clue how people, how laboratory workers who presumably are vaccinated wearing PPE would consider themselves eligible to stay at home. Uh, I say this because I just want to echo, we got to lead by example in the federal government. If our public health agencies don't have enough confidence in the immunization and in the PPE to go back to work, fighting infectious diseases there's going to be a lot of undermining of, an, of a willingness to further fund public health. We absolutely have our essential labs back at work conducting their essential research towards this response. And um, we are following the regulations and providing technical assistance and technical support to the federal government for return to work policies. So she's obviously a vicious liar. Yeah. You know, this is why I could never, I could never be a, I could never question. I mean, 
because she tried to pull that stuff. I, I, I don't know how they're so nice. I mean, he says, I'm trying not to be rude. Try not to be rude. And you're not even pushing her. No, she's being rude by not answering the question. I mean, it's she's, a simple yes or no. I mean, she's just slapping you around. They, these people never get the kind of questioning that they truly, really deserve. You know, and, and that issue came up, I want to say back in June. I think I remember that issue coming up uh, five months ago, six months ago, when they asked. And the I three, think it, the three uh, panels, Richard Burr asked the question. Right. How many, how many people at the CDC are vaccinated? And, and they said uh, about 40%. I think it was that low. Or he said, you know, I've heard it's as low as 40% and they wouldn't give him the answer. Uh, you say, think that, I mean, just think about yeah. I mean, just logically think about <laughs> it. It's like someone asking me a question about Live from Studio 6B. I started this show in 2015. I, I pretty much make every decision that has to happen. It'd be like somebody asking me a question about the show. It'd be like somebody asking any CEO about anything they do. Do you think that she doesn't have the... Do you legitimately think that she doesn't know the answer. And she's arrogant enough to go out there and give that answer twice and those answers to those questions because she thinks that you and I are fools. Yeah, they all think we're stupid. And they're so damn arrogant that they don't care. You do what we tell you to do and don't worry about what we're doing. You don't worry about us. You just put your mask on and go get jabbed or uh, you're going to get fired. Don't worry about what we're doing here. We're up here. You're way down here. You, pull, you just go ahead and leave us alone. Don't ask me any questions about what we're doing. I know you pay me, but that, don't worry about it. I mean, that literally is the attitude they take. Yeah. And Cassidy, who's been, for the most part, a disaster, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. You, if that's rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That didn't seem that rude to me, quite frankly. And, and I don't have time to get to Fauci, but I will tomorrow. And once again, I love Rand Paul, but I say this every time. And I, ha- and I actually have not watched this yet, so I'm, I'm jumping the gun mm-hmm. because our friend um, Raheem Kassam has a piece out. Here's what else Rand Paul should have grilled Fauci on. Well, I haven't watched Rand Paul with Fauci, but when I saw the headline, because last time we watched Rand Paul with Fauci, I wished that he had shorten up his questions and really hammered him i'll just say about today uh he he used all of his time and he tried to use more and they stopped him so i think he i think he was he was trying today to push it i think you'll be surprised yeah and, and i saw this as well i think you'll be surprised at fauci that's all i'll say this feeble little ass sitting there in the chair is that what you're saying yep a little more a little more uh not so willing to um, get all huffy puffy with Senator Rand Paul, is he, or anybody for that matter? Not very much. No, he was very. He, he was very. He doesn't much, want to be in there with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, his voice was very much the mouse uh, uh, of what he looked like today. He's very mouse-like. So. We'll play that tomorrow. You'll get a kick out of that. Yeah. Hugh Hewitt's words were echoing in his head during that uh, exchange. What'd you say? I said Hugh Hewitt's words were echoing in Fauci's (laughs) head during that exchange. That's a great point, Gio. (laughs) That's a great point. And and that, that is an example of going after somebody, but, but still respectful. 
You don't have to be rude and call her names, but you damn well can demand an answer. And you can damn well say to her, how do you expect people to take you seriously when you're demanding all of this people's lives being ruined? And I'm asking you a simple question about the percentage of people that you run, and you're going to sit there with that arrogance and tell me you don't know the answer? He can't say that? That's not disrespectful. No. Matter of fact, he knew the answer. He should have started out saying, you know what? I already know the answer to this question, so I'm going to ask you. Ted Cruz wouldn't have given up. Remember no. Ted Cruz last week we he, showed you? What's the answer? Right. What's the answer? What's the over and over and over again? Until uh, Merrick Garland melted in the seat. That's what should have happened with her. All right, we'll do some more news. Wrap it up for a Thursday night. Glad you're in live from Studio 6B. Oh, show's <laughs> over. <laughs> As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, oh, first responders, hour. EMTs. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. It was a quick two hours. Don't scare me like that. We'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B. Jeez.